0: Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we meet the newest member of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Jalen Saunders, receiver who talked to the Winnipeg media on a conference call today. And then we'll talk to Murata Tesh of the Athletics about what went wrong for the Winnipeg Jets, not just this past weekend, but really the whole season. That's coming up on the podcast. Jalen Saunders, Winnipeg Blue Bomber receiver. Talked to the media today. Introductory press conference the receiver who has not played in the cfl since 2018 suffered a knee injury that season and hasn't played in the cfl since now he was going to play last year with the red blacks he was supposed to play with them in 2020 but season got canceled and then last year he signed there before suffering season ending injuries in a car accident so he's had a tumultuous last few years and he was asked how he described this time period in his life earlier today.
1: So it's been quite a uh, bit of a long road just to get back um I, but I, you know I've been fighting just to get back to this exact position and grain and you know just doing the right positive things just taking each step uh, getting back to this position um so it's a blessing in disguise but you know to say the least. Considering almost uh, almost had a, a, fake, a fatal car crash last year around this time, so it's definitely excellent.
0: And he outlined what that experience was like.
1: You know, I was in Atlanta. I was taking my uh, my cousin to the airport. and I was driving back to my grandmother's. I think it was nearby. They're, her residence is nearby the airport. Mm-hmm. And I was on a two lane highway, and a drunk uh, driver it was asleep on the highway uh, in the second second uh, fast lane. I ended up running to him and a coughing behind me hit me, and it was just it was pretty crazy to say the least. I ended up having a pretty bad uh, leg injury, but it ended up healing up, uh, you know, too months in, and you know, I was good to go. I just, you know, I wanted to just take the time off for the rest of the year last year, just get everything back strong and going. Um, and you know, that was about all, nothing torn or anything. Um, I had a little fracture or whatever, but that was about all in my head, but you know, things like that. But it's nothing yeah, big, significant. It was, you know, this quick little quick fix. Um, okay. you know, just got got things back rolling through rehab, you know, a few months down the line. I was back, you know, back on my seat, doing everything I needed to do and then I'm back able to play. I was really able to I was able to go last year. Uh about, you know, November if I wanted to play, being I was signed to Ottawa and they're out of the playoff race. So like I said, I was ready to go. It's just I wanted to take the time to get my life fully healthy.
0: And he talked about how he had to miss 2019 because of his 2018 injury.
1: At the time when I was injured, I thought it was when I had learned in Hamilton, it was only one, two ligaments torn. One was only partially torn. So I didn't think it was as bad as it was. And then I got back. So I kind of like delayed my uh, surgery. So when I got back home, I got a second evaluation from my other doctor and it being worse than what I found out. So then I ended up pushing everything back from originally being planned out um, on recovery rebound. Yeah, so um, that's the only reason why it took so long. And then, I, like I said, I didn't want to rush into it. So by the time I got to XFL, they released me, obviously, later in the year or whatever. I got down to XFL with June. Um, I was about ready, maybe fourth or fifth game into the season. I was starting off on the IR with him. And then the XFL went under? That is correct. What are you thinking at that point? <laughs> you know, at the time, B and M just like in shock to because I'm like, all oh, right, you know, like I was ready to go play a game and I was prepping for the week. And next thing you know, they're like, Yeah, the uh season's gonna just come to a halt. And I'm like, you know, wow, interesting. Well, next thing you know, uh Ottawa I uh, was in contact, uh, you know, the tie catcher reached out. I was in Ottawa at the time, and no season again, you know? So I'm like, wow, didn't have the opt-out deal going on, and came back, we signed, just prepared, and then you know, had a car accident. So fingers crossed, been praying and hoping nothing strange or weird happens, no pandemics or anything, and, you know, now we're here. So... Hopefully his next next three to four weeks go smooth,
0: you know? Right. Training camp coming up in uh, just under a month. And for Saunders, a player who had a really good showing at the start of his CFL career, he led the Ticats in 2017, had over 1,100 yards on 76 catches. And over the course of 25 games, he had almost 2,000 yards on 121 catches, six touchdowns, almost 16 yards per reception. So he's good One healthy. Turns 30 in September, but he says he's feeling good now.
1: I'm I'm excellent health wise. I was ready to go in the XFL. Um, the week, week went down, um, and I was, sat out and waited 2020. Still train, you I know, mean, train guys. My uncle. Um, you know, if you want to see my workout group, you know, Google search or Twitter search, my uncle Wideout view. Uh, that's my workout group, that my uncle and my father my father running Atlanta, Georgia. You know, um, I just you know, I've just been around ball for the last few years helping kids and the youth, just you know, gain football attention or do whatever I can do, helping football wise, but I still stick around stuck around the game to help my help myself and they ended up, you know. Basically I I not just experience but it it helped me I guess learn the game a little bit even more obviously than just playing so I'm looking at it from a coach's perspective besides just being on the field too at the same time. So it's about, you know, just learning the why, uh, you know, about plays and positions and you know, schemes and stuff, you know. So it's, it's been a, definitely a uh, a blessing, you know.
0: Just a reminder of a conference calls and how they work. It makes beeping sounds when someone dials in, and there's often some rustling or background noise because someone forgot to mute their phone. So that's that's great. But anyway, back to Saunders, who was asked how much he's looking forward to showing
1: what he can still do. Best you can play to me. I'm a Pat Hill baby. You know that's that's where, I, where I'm room from from. We got a call, called saying called "Anytime, anybody, anywhere." You know, so it doesn't matter who, what, or what, when, and why. We just we show up, and that's what we're gonna do. Put a hard hat on. You know, that's just that's how we go, that's how we rock and roll out here in Northern California, Central Cal. We got everyone has that type of mindset. We're not. We didn't grow up near the beach and have the luxury stuff. We all, we hard hat workers out here, farmers. You know, anything to think about. So that's what type of lifestyle I grew up in out here. You know.
0: Did you ever think though his career might be over?
1: Uh no, I never looked at it from that point. Um, no one told me I could not play anymore. It's just more so need just need to get back healthy, you know. So I took the time just to get, you know, get get my body right, get back in like super shape. I wanted to make sure, you know, everything I had happened, I don't want to have happen again, you know. It's almost like you know, better do better, you know, type of thing. So, um, you know, like I said, I took the right steps, take time off get my body right with these younger guys, ball out, you know, get some, get some look get some film, you know, because, you know, at the end of the day, it's not too many opportunities for the Canadian players and the American players to get some real film out, you know, so it would be tacky on my end to try to go say, you know, at the time, 2019, I could have came back and played, but, you know, I was, I, I personally, I think not played to the top tier of my, my ability in 2019. So that's why I didn't even try to make a return, you know? So, but that would have been tacky on my end to call a team like, hey, I want to try out to try to make myself better and get in the way of another guy, you know, another prospect, just, you know, in that type of atmosphere. So I'm just, you know, real real honest with everyone and myself, you know.
0: Jalen Saunders, new receiver for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers.
2: Get ready to, to play and, you know, buckle down defensively. I think, um, both those games, you know, we were pretty porous. So we, we gave up a lot of chances, a lot of things throughout the neutral zone and just managing the puck. So, um, you know, it, it's important, especially against the team, the transitions as well as the Rangers, that you manage the puck. You, you know, you're kind of stopping on your mistakes. And, um, you know, we, we got to help our goalies out a little bit.
0: A very tough road trip off to a very tough start for the Winnipeg Jets. Two losses by large margins. Large 6-1, 7-4. They gave up a ton of goals, as Adam Lowry and others have said they've not been giving their goaltenders a lot of help, which is something they could say probably dating back a few years as we welcome in Murat test of The Athletic to the show. Murat, 13 goals in two games allowed. What happened to the Jets this past weekend in Florida?
2: Well, they got beat, and they got beat badly by two teams that are amongst the class of the league, certainly the class of the Eastern Conference, and two teams... Loaded with skill, top to bottom, who commit to playing a very, very tenacious, um, structured, defensively sound version of hockey. So that when, as Adam Lowry says, Winnipeg is poor with its puck management, those teams are able to transition against the Jets uh, to uh, a great degree of weekend pain.
0: So can the Jets look at what
2: happened this past weekend
0: and, and say, all right, This kind of epitomizes what's been wrong with the team, not just this year, but the last few years, not giving their goaltenders enough help, getting exposed defensively, and ultimately a reminder that they just maybe don't have the skill to keep up with the best teams in the league.
2: I think that going against standard bearers like that and getting so soundly defeated by such a good structure and dedication as well as skill should be a reminder to the Winnipeg Jets that they're not playing at that same stratosphere of hockey right now. And then to sort of dissect why. I mean, the skill should theoretically be there to a certain degree, Winnipeg's loaded with it and certainly some injuries um, would have impeded them this weekend. Mark Shifley was unable to play and he's just such a dynamic offensive player. But it it goes beyond the weekend. It goes beyond those two teams and like you said, I mean, it goes a couple of seasons now. The fact that we're having players like Adam Lowry or Paul Stastny on the weekend say that they're leaving the goalie is out to dry. I mean, it seems as though something's coming to a head. They're acknowledging the degree to which they're not playing the way that they should. I asked Nikolai Eulers, Paul Stastny, Kyle Connor, Dave Lowry, all of them over the course of the weekend, why they're talking about fundamentals like effort and energy and um, getting pucks deep and all those sorts of things with puck management, why we're still talking about that at game 75, 76 of the season. Shouldn't the fundamentals be taken care of by now? And there weren't a lot of detailed great answers to those questions because I think they're still searching for that in the Winnipeg Jets dressing room and the fact that they are I think speaks to the fact that um there's not a lot of uh how do I say this there's there's question marks about the commitment level and energy level and I think there's some folks that pulling on different ropes in different directions in that room right now.
0: So when we dissect this season and we're, you know, six games away from it being over, but we're possibly 25 hours, 26 hours away from them actually being mathematically eliminated tomorrow night. It could happen. Are we going to pin it on the players? Is it coaching? Is it structure? Is it a mix of all of it?
2: I see you, you when something goes this far off of expectations, it's usually a little bit of everything. And Figuring out exactly whether it's coaching, whether it's players or in what combination is difficult to do. We can say for sure that the Winnipeg Jets don't play with the same structure and commitment and defensive um, effort and energy. As other teams do, I broke that down in a piece this weekend at the Athletic, where we detailed their structure in the neutral zone, the one-one-three they're supposed to play, uh, how that compares to other teams' structures, how well they play it, and a clear disconnect between coaching and players. The question that you ask, and which is a great question, is well. Is that on the players? Is that on the coaching? And where does that begin? And when the Jets add Nate Schmidt and add Brendan Dillon, bring Paul Stastny back, they had Andrew Kopp for most of the year. On paper, things were supposed to be much better. Um, Does this mean that the the lack of defensive commitment by the stars or, or some internal conflict was why Paul Maurice left? Did his leaving set this into motion? Was Dave Lowry not able to get the team into a playoff position? Well, we, we know that now, or we'll know that very soon, but exactly where that difference or that disconnect begins is tough for me. I happen to think that this same group of players could have a lot more success um, if they were playing uh, perhaps under a different coaching staff, but certainly playing a more dedicated brand of hockey than what we've seen.
0: I agree with that. And I mentioned earlier in the show the article you wrote a a few weeks back about how defense is more team-based when you're bringing players into a new team like Dylan or like Schmidt. Offense travels better than defense. And I made the argument that going out and getting Dylan and Schmidt and spending good draft capital on those players, it hasn't worked because they're going to miss the playoffs despite those moves.
2: Yeah, it hasn't worked. The the fact that a defensive impact doesn't really move perfectly from one team to another, and we saw that in a positive way when Neil Pionk was initially brought over from New York, where the defense, the structure there was horrible, and he came to Winnipeg and had two really good seasons before this one has been a little bit off compared to those. We've seen defensive impact is so dependent on teammates, on the structure, on the systems, um, whereas a player who is known primarily for producing points, you know, big goal scorers or point getters. They seem to be able to do that no matter where they play. So just as Dylan and Schmidt have not worked out, and just as I would agree with you that, I mean, the draft capital price that the Jets have paid is, you know, is on track as of the moment to look like it was too much. I also have room in me for those players plus plus everybody on that Jets blue line, looking better by defensive metrics, coming off looking better in terms of where the puck gets played uh, under a more improved defensive structure and uh, more commitment and connection between the forwards and defense. The forwards come back hard and the D jump into the play. Um, I think that there's room for even the players that were brought in to have good results while acknowledging your point, they haven't had good results.
0: The thing now looking ahead, though, is that they've got five veteran defensemen signed to multi-year contracts. Where's the room for Stanley, Hanela, Sandberg, and possibly more to all fit into this team? It would strike me that something's probably got to give this offseason on the blue line.
2: I would agree with you there, Christian, for sure. There absolutely has to be something that gives. Uh, The Jets' blue line is almost entirely signed, and the only members who aren't, like Logan Stanley um, or, say, Dylan Sandberg, are, oh, pardon me, even they're signed through next season. They're not restricted free agents until into the future. So everyone on Winnipeg's blue line, who we saw this year um, with Nathan Beaulieu having been traded away, is under contract for next year. And to make room for the next wave. Whether that's Dylan Sandberg, who's had a really great last couple of weeks when he's been in the lineup, or Ville Hainala, who's still thought to be a top four option going forward, Um, it does seem like a veteran needs to be on the way out. Um, Nate Schmidt is the most expensive relative to what he brings at $5.95 million. He hasn't worked out to that degree. Uh, Brendan Dillon might be more appealing to other teams at $3.9 million and looking a little bit closer to the full version of his ability. I thought he was somebody, and I believe that he was somebody, that teams were interested in at the trade deadline. So those are the, the most likely candidates. Dylan DeMello as well, um, veterans with term on their contract. And one thing that I just cannot push away, uh, you know, based off of what I believe teams to be interested in is the possibility that the Jets, maybe they clear veterans, but they might clear youth to make room for those veterans. Villa Hainala might not be safe in Winnipeg long term. I bet teams are calling about him. And that may be the way that Winnipeg makes room on its blue blue line, even if it's kind of the the less efficient way. Maybe that's a way to to get forward help or, or something else down the line.
0: Would you recommend they do that?
2: It sort of depends on what the deal is. I think that if they're able to clear cap from the defense, uh, from the veteran side of things and are able to recoup draft assets or what have you for that and promote from within, that's probably the more sustainable path to success. At the same time, if there is a team out there oper- offering a, a top six forward with grit and with the ability to add that sort of physical dynamic while scoring at a top six level, um, then a package around a Villa Hanela type player begins to make sense. Um, I don't think. That's ideal. So if you're asking me which of those I would prefer for the Jets, I would say promoting from within to be sure, but without really knowing. And Kevin Shalodeo has done reasonably well with situations where he's been painted into a corner in the past. I, that Jacob Trouba trade has worked out pretty well. And, and certainly early, early returns on the Andrew Kopp situation look solid as well in terms of the draft capital he was able to get back. So this is a long-winded way of saying it depends, but I think Winnipeg's future is in its own use.
0: So I guess the question then is going into this very important off season with guys like Nikolai Ehlers and Kyle Connor in their prime, Pierre-Luc Dubois, restricted free agent, and the list goes on. Connor Hellebuck, Mark Scheifele. Are they still in a win now mode going into next year?
2: I believe from the top down, 100% the Winnipeg Jets are in a win now mode. Uh, I don't think you're going to see a fire sale of players. I don't think you're going to see an instant commitment to a rebuild. I think that the Winnipeg Jets still believe that there's a lot of quality players in the organization, and they may have some tough decisions to make. Like the ones on defense we just talked about, there's a possibility that maybe not this summer, but at some point Mark Scheifele is moved before he becomes a free agent. Those are real possible decisions for the Jets. Big, big things that could come our way in the next couple of years. But in the immediate sense, what I think that they do is I think they look to Calgary, who's had a phenomenal turnaround this season compared to last, or even Edmonton, since bringing on um, Jay Woodcroft as head coach. There have been situations where uh, really, uh, really good coaching fits for an organization have been able to transform uh, a team's fortunes. And I think that that's the best case scenario in Winnipeg and knowing that the organization tends to be loyal and tends to be long-term thinking and not really a blow it up type of organization. I think that's most likely the, the hope in, in Winnipeg moving into next year.
0: I'll get you out of here on this. I think I asked you a similar question a couple of weeks ago, but six games left starting tomorrow against the Rangers. Is there anything we can learn from here on out this year?
2: Well, I think what we're seeing, and I'm so intrigued by this, and I and I'm looking forward to it, is we're seeing young leadership speak out. And whether that's Kyle Connor or Nikolai Ehlers this weekend, Josh Morrissey has certainly been vocal at times, and uh, Pierre Luc Dubois has been so good at just telling it how it is. There's this real sense that these young drivers, the guys in their mid twenties who are essentially in their prime that they're finding their voice, at least when it comes to speaking to media and sort of intelligently picking apart what's going well or what isn't, even after tough losses. I think there's this real sense of this growing leadership group in its mid-20s and the degree to which they can develop confidence or they can build the culture they want to see in the team moving forward. I think that's what I'll be looking for. And I've been so impressed by guys like that, especially Kyle Connor this last weekend and Nikolai Ehlers, Paul Faske as well, but he's a veteran. All to say, I'm curious to see where that goes and and confidence from those guys would be a great sign.
0: Absolutely. Matt. appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this. And uh, well, don't have much time to go for the off season, but there'll be a lot to talk about for sure.
2: Absolutely. Thank you, Christian.
0: It's you can find his excellent work at The Athletic. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Joe podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre and post game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again.
1: And thanks for all the this So sad that it should come to this We try to warn you all,